Welcome to the 2024 season for Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts as well as the videos. Teddy Garland and this podcast is one that is listed in the guidebook for you to listen to if you want to hear some more fun stories and information about the roads you were driving on getting to the one day adventure you chose from the guidebook and this podcast is Norris Junction to Madison Junction and so you would listen to this podcast if you were going to go on the North Loop and hunt bears and wolves and are reading that chapter. And this podcast will gloss over the section of road from Norse to Mammoth and kind of what you'll see and where the area starts where you're going to start seeing bears and wolves. Just remember, the guidebook's the cake. These podcasts are a little icing on the cake and a good place for me to tell you guys some fun stories. So, the guidebook has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park and a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone and even the Bible for Yellowstone Park. So, if you guys are thinking about getting a guidebook for your Yellowstone vacation and you want some more information before you buy one, simply listen to my podcast, Introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, or watch my video of the same name on YouTube, and there you will find my family's over 100-year history in Yellowstone Park and all my knowledge. And you will hear how the guidebook gives you step-by-step instructions, how you can self-guide your family through Yellowstone Park, and how easy the guidebook is to use because you don't have to read the whole thing. You only have to read the chapters that partake to something that interests you in Yellowstone Park. And the guidebook breaks Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites that you can easily and enjoyably do in a single day because Yellowstone Park is just huge. It is the size of Connecticut, you guys. And the guidebook also helps you save time by beating all the crowds to all the top sites and how you can save thousands of dollars on your Yellowstone vacation by following my money-saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining in the planning your Yellowstone vacation chapter. And I highly recommend anyone listening to this podcast join our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group where you will see hundreds of sparkling reviews for the guidebook as well as thousands of pictures that you guys have posted of you guys having a great time in Yellowstone Park with the help of the guidebook. When you do decide to get your copy, simply go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, where you can get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks or a paperback copy for 25 bucks. And I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone sticker as well. And you'll also find some combo deals on there that are very popular. And we also have a store on there where you can buy some cool truckers hats and t-shirts. However, be aware that we only print off a thousand paperback copies every year to do our part to help save the environment and all that yada yada you are visiting the world's most famous national park hall pits. So, and take note that the guidebook is 20% longer than the 2023 version, so there's a lot more fun stuff and information in there that you guys will be able to peruse through. So let's get started with this podcast. This is Norris Junction to Mammoth, and there's not a lot to see along this section of road. We're basically driving to get to the bear and wolf area. And and take note of a really fun thing that we started in 2023, 
is the family or group that sees the most bears in one day at the end of the season that posts them on our, our Facebook group gets free t-shirts and prizes for, for doing that. So it's uh, kind of a uh, see the bears prize for you guys. So here's how this all got started is in 2023 in the spring, Lisa and I went through there and we saw eight bears in about God, 30 minutes in the places I'm getting ready to send you guys to. And then somebody else, like two weeks later, posted that they saw 10 bears. It's like, wow, man, that is really cool. And then right after that, we had a guy and his family see an amazing 12 bears. And he just said he followed the tips in the guidebook. So that's amazing. We shot a Zoom call with him, and we will publish that Zoom call on our social media pages and all that so you guys can see all that and he'll tell us all that information so, so that's all kind of fun stuff so if you guys see a bunch of bears post them on there and you got who knows you might be the winner and get free t-shirts for every member of your family or your group at the end of the year so all right so let's get started norris to mammoth junction and there's just not a lot to see in here but we're going to kind of go over everything there is to see in this podcast as you drive along this is more of a driving tour and then the guidebook takes over and tells you everywhere you need to go to see bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park. So remember, the guidebook is the cake. These podcasts are a little icing on the cake and a good place for me to tell you guys some fun stories. So let's get started. All right, so once you leave Norris Junction and head north, you're going to be starting what is known as the upper loop or the upper half of the figure eight in Yellowstone Park. If you refer to the map in the back of the guidebook, you'll see how the main roads in Yellowstone Park look like a figure eight with a smaller loop on the top and a bigger loop on the bottom, making the shape of a figure eight with feeder roads coming in from the sides like the road from West Yellowstone to Madison Junction. So once you head north from Norris, you'll notice that the road is really nice through here. They've redone about half the road, which is really nice with a really wide shoulder and everything else. But once you get about halfway to Mammoth, it goes back to nothing. It's rough. The shoulder is about three inches wide and all that. So enjoy this nice smooth road while you can because it gets pretty janky up here in a minute. But if you guys went past Norris, and you remember you guys don't want to stop at Norris unless you've been to Yellowstone Park for 20 years. Norris is a dud. But if you kind of want to get an overview and kind of see what Norris looks like, right on your left, as you kind of circle up to the left and start heading uphill, there's a pullout called Norris Overlook, and you can pull over there and kind of see some of the hot pools and things in Norris. So, But remember, Norris is a dud. Norris is about a one or a two on a scale of 10, where the Old Faithful area or the canyon area where the waterfalls are and the Golden Canyon of Yellowstone Park is a 12. Yeah, Norris is a one or a two. It's not worth your time unless you've been to Yellowstone Park for 20 years in a row. All right, and you're going to head up off the road, and nothing to see for a while. The road kind of spins around, kind of zigzags back and forth, and then you'll notice two good size, about football field size lakes pop up on your left, and they're not much to see, but those are called twin lakes, and there's actually, there are two of them, and they sit side by side, and they're almost identical in size. They're kind of separated by about a hundred foot wide little grass 
Cassiri right there, and then the second one starts, so it looks like they are twins. It really does. So that's kind of a neat deal. And then uh, in about a half a mile or a mile, you'll see Roaring Mountain come up on your right, and Roaring Mountains kind of looks like a nuclear bomb went off and just blew the side of this hill up and everything else. It's kind of an interesting area. I always kind of liked it, and uh, but there's not much to see. You can kind of slow down and take a picture from your car, and it just literally looks like a bomb went off on the side of a hill right there. And then, uh, but Roaring Mountain's kind of a, a, a good starting point for about the next two miles or so. There's a good place to see grizzly bears through here. I don't know why, but in the spring especially, this is a good spot to see a few grizzly bears through here. And you'll kind of tootle on through the road. And the, there's nothing else to see for a couple of miles, except there's a spot in the guidebook, and there's a great picture in the guidebook, of an area called Clearwater Springs. And there's no signs marking this or anything else. You've got to get this information out of the guidebook. But there's this fascinating green moss that grows in Clearwater Springs. And it is really worth getting out and look at, looking at. And I'm telling you guys, this crazy green moss, it's about 100, 105 degrees. You can kind of put your fingers in it and feel it. And uh, it's really, really cool. And I tell you where, where the pullout is and everything in the guidebook to see this. And nowhere else in Yellowstone Park will you find this stuff. It's in this one spot in Yellowstone Park. It's really fascinating. Yeah, Yellowstone Park has some really unique, amazing features. And this is kind of a nice, subtle little feature that I really like. And we always stop there and take a picture. And there's a great picture in the guidebook of this stuff and everything you need to know to do that stop and where you're stopping at the right locations in the guidebook for you guys. So, And you'll kind of see a couple of trailheads pop up on your left. One goes to Grizzly Lake and one summits a couple peaks over there, and but they are just walking through the trees. When I take you guys hiking, we are going to go to a really cool destination. Yellowstone Park has some of the coolest things on planet Earth to go see, and hot pots and hot pools and geysers and all this fun stuff. There's no reason to walk through the trees, and just like you could in Colorado in Yellowstone Park, you know. But 90% of Yellowstone Park is that just walking through the trees. In the hiking chapter in the guidebook, I I get you to the 10% of the best hikes on planet Earth. And uh, and I tell you the best hikes for little kids and da-da-da and all that stuff. The hiking chapter in the guidebook is by far and away the most popular chapter and the most popular podcast I do. And I get you to the best of the best hikes in Yellowstone Park so you're not just walking through the trees, which is what these trails get you. So, All right, so the next thing you're going to see as you tootle on along is Obsidian Cliff. And Obsidian Cliff kind of looks like you know, you're driving along and it's on your right and you kind of see these big chunks of what looks like black glass. And that is exactly what it is. And uh, Obsidian Cliff is used to be one of the most popular stops in Yellowstone Park. There's a pull-off to your left that kind of takes you away from Obsidian Cliff and there's a display that kind of explains all this, but there's no need to stop. And but this is kind of interesting. The the Indians, the Shoshones, the Bannocks, and the Blackfeet, and all that stuff, the Crows that all occupied Yellowstone Park for a millennia before uh, the white man showed up and took over the park. Um, this is where they got their arrowheads for their arrows right through here from that black glass. So it's kind of a neat spot, and you kind of just drive right through it. And there's actually no reason to even take a picture from it. So um, pretty soon you'll kind of come up to the Sheep Eater Cliff. 
cliff areas. And the Sheep Eater cliff areas are not worth a stop. There's nothing to really see. It's just kind of a little 20 or 30 foot tall bluff right there. But in the introduction chapter in the guidebook, I, I show a picture of a guy up there with a rock hammer busting the Sheep Eater cliffs up into little pieces so his kids can have a rock to take to show and tell that they brought from Yellowstone Park. And I have had not stopped at the Sheep Eater Cliff areas in 25 years, but for some reason I pulled in there that day and at that time, and I get out of the car and I hear this guy up busting these rocks with this rock hammer, and here comes this little girl running down there. Mommy, mommy, I've got the rock from the Sheep Eater Cliffs. I can take it for show and tell in school. And I went up there and laid into that guy. He's busting up the 8 million year old Sheep Eater Cliffs and permanently damaged the natural resources of those cliffs so his kids can have something to show and tell. I, I In the guidebook, I give you all the information to... Police the park in the moment with your phone and turn in people that are doing stuff like this. And I turned him into a ranger, and I think he got prosecuted. And for doing that, he will have a up to a $10,000 fine. He will end up with uh, multiple bans from national parks for years. And he may even have a short stint in jail in his hometown. So all the information is given to you in the guidebook, how to police the park in your moment with phone, just like that. And I, I, I don't know, maybe it was divine intervention that sent me there that day to stop that guy from damaging those cliffs because I hadn't stopped there. I had been by there 3,000 times and I hadn't stopped and I stopped that one day for God knows what reason and I went in there and the second I opened the car door that guy started banging on those rocks and I put an end to that really quickly so but anyway so that's the sheep eater cliff areas but the sheep eater cliff areas are also the real starting point to see grizzly bears black bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park and in the guidebook, it basically, I tell you, this spot runs all the way up to about Pebble Creek. And so we're not going to obviously get there. We're only getting to Mammoth in this podcast. But the guidebook explains to you from this point on everywhere you need to stop to go see bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park. And it's just like those people saw, you know, we saw eight and then the next guy saw 10, next guy saw 12 by following those tips. And you can do the same. But this is the starting point to see bears, wolves, even elk. Elk will be up the road on the right a little bit. And there's even been some bison showing up on this road recently. There's not a lot of bison up in this area, but uh, they're mainly back over in the Hayden Valley and all that stuff. But there's even been some bison showing up on this road recently. So this is a great place to see all the big animals starting at the Sheep Eater Cliffs heading north. And in the guidebook, I tell you where you need to stop and go find all these things. And so you'll kind of truck through here and Swan Lake will be on your left and it's pretty far off the road but it almost always has swans in it and you're not allowed to walk over there to get an up close picture so you better have a good set of binoculars just in case you wanted to see a swan swimming around over there. And right out in front of you, you'll notice a hill on your right, probably about one o'clock as you're driving down the road, and it's got a perfectly rounded cone on it. It's really kind of an odd-shaped cone. If you look at it, it's perfectly round, and that is Bunsen Peak, and we're, we're going to talk about Bunsen Peak here for a second. All right, for starters, 
Bunsen Peak was named after Robert Bunsen, the guy who invented the aptly named Bunsen burner. And he was a German chemist, but he was also a volcanist, a guy that studies volcanoes. And what you're looking at at Bunsen Peak is a dormant volcano. And there's a ton of these around Yellowstone Park, but most of them don't sit right by the road like this. There's another one in the guidebook I tell you about up towards Big Sky on the north west entry road like you're heading towards big sky from west yellowstone there's another one you can see up there and i explained to you where it is in the guidebook up there but as you guys can see what has happened is there is a volcano underneath and has pushed up this dirt in this perfectly rounded cone it's really kind of an amazing thing to see that and i kind of explain all that in the guidebook to you guys and also bunsen peak is the launching point for one of the best hikes in Yellowstone Park. And it's one of the best bike riding places in Yellowstone Park to go down and see Osprey Falls. And if you guys want to look at a video of Osprey Falls, you know, whoever buys a guidebook, electronic or paperback, you'll find a QR code in the back. And that QR code gives you access to our private YouTube page where you can see videos of me talking about the highlights that we list in the guidebook like this Bunsen Peak bike hike bike ride that you can get down to Osprey Falls. And I am standing down in Osprey Falls just having to yell into my microphone that is right on my collar. And I am just getting drenched in this torrent of thunder and water as Osprey Falls is spinning around right behind me. It kind of curly cues around. I mean, it is an unbelievable video. I think it's the best video we have shot. There's about 170 videos, and I think it is absolutely hands down the best one. And you guys just need to go see that and, and see if you guys want to get over to Bunsen Peak one day. I cover how to get to Bunsen Peak in the hiking chapter, and I also cover how to get to Bunsen Peak in the biking, bicycling chapter in the guidebook, because you can get there either way. And Bunsen Peak has got it going on. I'll tell you another quick story about Bunsen Peak. We were there in 2022, and we were just coming out. Lisa and I were just loading up the bikes, and this truck pulls up next to us. And <laughs> this lady's sitting there, and uh, she gets over there, and she starts unloading her bikes, and I'm tying my down in the back of the truck, and she is just getting hers unloaded on the back of the truck. And she's standing there in the back of her truck, and I'm standing in mine right next to her, and she goes, Hey, you're Teddy Garland, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And she goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. And she goes, you're the reason we are here right now. And I said, no kidding. And she goes, yeah, we just rented these bikes in West Yellowstone and we loaded them up. We brought them in here. So we loaded, we've got the bikes at a place. She told us to get them in West Yellowstone and here we are. And she goes, are you loading them up or you get, have you already been? I said, yeah, we just, just got back. And uh, she goes, oh, darn it. We would have loved to ridden with you. And I said, I would have loved to go with you guys. And so she goes, how was it? And I said, you won't believe it. I said, it was probably the coolest thing, coolest video we've shot. And I said, it was unbelievable. You guys got to remember, Osprey Falls has been on the cover of National Geographic, not once, but twice. The lower falls in the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone have only been on the National Geographic once. That's how cool Osprey Falls is. And I tell you everything you need to know how to get down there. It's badass, man. And so Lisa traded numbers with her. And she called us about 5.30 that evening 
after she got done and she just everybody was just ranting and raving how that was the the made their entire Yellowstone Park vacation getting down to Osprey Falls and I tell you guys how to do all of that in the guidebook in depth it is too freaking cool so all right and as you guys continue on down the road heading towards mammoth we're almost there you'll go into this little canyon called golden gate canyon and there's a little waterfall back behind you that's not much especially if you've seen osprey falls just a few minutes ago so but anyway if you'll look at this road this road actually cantilevers out in mid-air over the this little canyon it kind of curves around this rock canyon right there and it's really wild to know that this road used to be made out of wood and had wood beams going back into the canyon back in the day when people were driving model t's on it and horses and carriages were you know the mode of transportation that road used to be made out of wood planks it's pretty incredible the young park engineer that laid out all the roads, 95% of them you're still driving on today, was this guy named Hiram Chittenden. And uh, he made the comment that a man could lay out a road from Portland, Oregon to New York City and not encounter as many issues as he encountered in one mile of Yellowstone Park. So, And you can got to see this road, man. It's crazy that he laid that road out back in the you know the turn of the century and when horses and carriage were the mode of transportation and cantilevered that road out over that canyon. It's incredible, actually. So after you get off that wild cantilevered area right there, you're going to go through this area called the Hoodoos. And uh, it's kind of these really weird rock formations and there's only a couple other places these hoodoos exist in the park and one's up there by tower and the other one's down there at terraced falls and one of the terraced falls is a great hike i get you guys to in the hiking chapter and uh, but these hoodoos are these wild weird rock formations and when horses and horse-drawn carriages were the mode of transportation in yellowstone park before the advent of the car there were more people killed in this one little area of the park than the rest of the park combined. I guess those weird-shaped rocks used to just spook the crap out of the horses, and they'd run and go flying off into the canyon and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's the hoodoos. And it's kind of interesting. Right when you get past the hoodoos, and they end as fast as they started, it just goes right through it, there's this little forested area that kind of heads down this hill right there for about, gosh, half a mile. And this is a great place to see black bears for some reason. Don't know why, but there always seems to be some black bears hanging out in there. On our private YouTube page, you can see there's a video of a black bear that came right up near our truck through here. And you'll see photographers that ply their trade in this area looking for bears. They'll drive up and down this section of road back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, waiting for a bear to pop up through here. So this is a good place to see black bears, not grizzlies, just black bears. And then on down the road a little bit, you're gonna come to Upper Terrace Drive, and this is kind of the start of what quote-unquote is the Mammoth Hot Springs area, and most of Mammoth Hot Springs to me is pretty much of a dud, but this Upper Terrace Drive is really, really nice, and we've got some great pictures of it in the guidebook. We've shot some videos in there and everything else, so Upper Terrace Drive is really, really nice, so if you're hunting bears and wolves today, doing the North Loop, looking for some bears and wolves, you're probably, you know, can do this on your way back, or you can do it now. It only takes about 15 minutes to drive the whole thing, 
But in the guidebook, I'll tell you how it gets you to some great viewpoints and you can kind of see the whole Mammoth Hot Springs area because 99% of the people park below and come up. But if you take this upper terrace drive, you get views looking down over Mammoth Hot Springs. It's a lot better place to see Mammoth Hot Springs from. So toodle on down the hill and, and you'll start seeing a few elk here and there in the grass. And then once you get down into the main parking area for Mammoth Hot Springs down there, you'll start seeing all the cars parked at the bottom of the hill where you don't want to park. I just sent you to the best place to see Mammoth Hot Springs from. But as you get to the bottom of the hill right there before you start seeing the buildings and the little gas station and the restrooms and all that, look to your left and you'll see this big cone thing, big rock cone thing coming out of the ground and that is called the needle. And what that is is a defunct chocolate pot. And what used to happen is water was pouring out of the top of that and cascading down and it created that cone or that needle. And so, but this one is dormant. And Teddy Roosevelt and his Rough Riders, when they came to Yellowstone Park, they took their picture in front of the needle and to promote Yellowstone Park to everybody. And they were on horseback right there in front of it. So it's really cool. It's kind of an iconic thing. However, in the guidebook, I tell you where you can find an active one. And it's really cool and it's easy to find if you know where you're, where you're going and how to find the thing. So I tell you in the guidebook where to find an active needle. And it's kind of when it's active, it has colors to it. So it looks like a chocolate ice cream. They call it a chocolate pot. And so I tell you where to find an active needle or chocolate pot in the guidebook. It's pretty cool. And right past the needle, you'll see this huge parking lot for tour buses and everything else. And you'll see some restrooms right there that you never want to use because there'll be dozens, if not 40 or 50 people lined up to use those terrible restrooms. I'm going to get you guys to some great restrooms, sparkling clean restrooms with nobody in line right down the hill here in a minute. So, all right, so continue on down the hill and you'll see this little gas station on your left tiny little gas station right there. It's kind of fun to fill up that gas station. These old pumps are sitting out there. They've got like two pumps and this little narrow deal. You can kind of see this was set up for Model T cars. That gas station's really, really cute. And then there's a little Hamilton store right there. And then there's a restaurant right there that's terrible. And then you'll see a beautiful building kind of swung at a little bit of an angle away from the road, and that is the gorgeous Mammoth Hotel. And in the guidebook, I tell you guys some great advantages of going in the Mammoth Hotel to use the restroom or get a cup of coffee and uh, this beautiful room they have in there. And I describe this map they on the, have on the wall about all the different woods it uses and everything else. The Mammoth Hotel has got it going on and is a great stop to use some really sparkling clean bathrooms and there's never a line so yeah the mammoth hotel is really nice stop dude and so and around this area in the grass areas around the mammoth hotel sometimes behind the mammoth hotel sometimes in front of the mammoth hotel you will always see elk and you'll see some big bull elk especially in the fall through here and this is a great place to hear those elk bugle and everything else and this this whole little mammoth area has kind of got it going on so all right if you guys want to go get a really, really, really good lunch if it's getting close to lunchtime and you want to have a great cheeseburger in possibly the place that was the muse for Jimmy Buffett writing the song, A Cheeseburger in Paradise. 
I have all that information listed in the guidebook, what the name of it is, where you need to go, and everything else. So that is a really, really killer hamburger. It's one of the best hamburgers I've ever eaten in my life. And uh, there's a video of us, Lisa and I, sitting there eating these hamburgers. It's really good, man. But that is the supposed one of the muses or the impetuses for Jimmy Buffett to write the song Cheeseburger in Paradise because he had a house in Paradise Valley a little north of there and came in there all the time to get a killer cheeseburger. So, But all that information is in the guidebook for you guys. So, All right, so with that, we have made it from Norris to Mammoth. And I'm going to tell you guys a, a really funny story here in a second about uh, about Mammoth Hot Springs. And, and, uh, and this, this is a good one. This is kind of the finishing up story with this little short driving tour and getting you guys in to start seeing bears and wolves in Yellowstone Park. And so here, here's a little icing on the cake for you guys. This was probably in 2010, right around through there. And when you go get a backcountry permit to camp out overnight in the backcountry, you have to go to a backcountry office that is generally located where a ranger station is located. And if you guys will look for the turnoff that takes you from Mammoth to Tower, and by the way, that is really easy to miss. A lot of people drive right past it and have to turn around down there and come back to it because it's this little T intersection. But your tip is the Mammoth Hotel will be directly off to your left and that road comes in from the right. But it is really easy to miss. And another tip that you're on the right road is you'll see about three old rock buildings kind of facing south towards Mammoth Hot Springs right over there. And interestingly enough, right in front of the second building, there's this kind of rock stump sitting out in front of that thing. And what that is, is a petrified forest tree stump. And it's 38 million years old. And everybody just walks right by it. I think it's so fascinating to wa watch people walk right by something that's 38 million years old. It's not every day that you can go sit on something or touch something or take a picture in front of something that is 38 million years old. But it just sits right in front of the staircase in front of this building. And nobody knows what it is. But now you guys do. So, all right. So, inside that building is the Backcountry Ranger Station. And back in 2010... They have this new video. When If you're a newbie to the park and you're going to go backcountry hiking, and I tell you how Al had to do that in the hiking chapter and get your permit and all that kind of stuff, well, they're going to have you watch a movie, how to throw your food, how to properly cook a fire, how to, you know, if a bear attacks you, what you do if a bear attacks you, just stuff like that. And I've seen this thing, you know, a dozen times, and I had a, a frequent hiker pass, so I didn't have to watch it. However, they came out with a new one, in 2010. So the guy goes, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I know you, but you have to watch this video or I'm going to get fired or something. I said, all right, man, no big deal. So I sat down there. It was like 10, 12 minutes long. It was a little bit longer than the old one. 
But this girl in there, I guess she's the quote-unquote star of this video, and she's in there telling you all the stuff you need to do about your campsite and how to clean up and leave no trace and all that yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Just, you know, secondhand nature to me, but it's not to you guys, and you guys will enjoy watching this movie. But, so I watched the movie, I finished the whole thing up, and I go, well, that's a lot better than the old one. And he goes, you think? And I go, yeah, you know, that girl was really nice. She seemed very well-spoken and everything else, kind of cute and everything else. And he goes, yeah, I thought she was cute, too once and I go oh, really there's got to be a story here and so I go well, what's the story and he goes well that is my ex-girlfriend and I go okay and he goes yep I got off at work a little early one day and I was going to go back and surprise her and we were going to go do a little hiking and all this kind of stuff so I walk into the um, our, our room right there and she's in bed with my best friend and I go Oh, no. You're crapping me. Yes. Like, oh, my God. And I go, I started putting two and two together, and I go, oh, my God. you got to hear her talk and do that video a dozen or more times a day. And he goes, yep, sometimes 20, sometimes 25. And I go, oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. And he goes, I have... A trying to get them to put me somewhere else so I don't have to keep listening to her on that video. It's like, oh my God, I felt so sorry for this guy. It's like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Oh my God, he's got to listen to his ex-girlfriend who he went to a surprise in bed with his best friend and oh no that's <laughs> like jeez louise i'm sure he got transferred somewhere or just quit <laughs> i would have thought it i felt so sorry for that guy but uh he was in one of those buildings right there i'm sure he and her are both long gone and i'm sure they are not back together <laughs> Anything else, we're not married with a bunch of kids running around. That's for darn sure. So, but yeah, that is the funny story about those three buildings. But that 38 million year old petrified tree stump sitting right in front of that thing is really cool. In the guidebook, I get you to the largest petrified forest on planet Earth, and, and that's right not too far up the road, but you got to know where to park. The trail's not marked or anything else, but I get you to all that stuff in the guide, but there's a great picture of Lisa and I standing next to one of these 38 million year old petrified trees way up on this hill with the valley down below us right there and everything else. It's really cool, but all that stuff's in the guidebook for you guys. So, all right, we have done it. We have made it to the end of this podcast. We have driven the road from Norris to Mammoth and kind of went from Mammoth up to get a killer hamburger up there that was the muse for Jimmy Buffett writing the song A Cheeseburger in Paradise and kind of heard a funny story and we all covered some neat things through there. That Bunsen Peak area has got it going on and that that Osprey Falls is one of my favorite. I, I go to Osprey Falls at least twice a year every year so Osprey Falls should be on your bucket list especially if you guys got bikes or want to rent bikes and do a little bicycling in Yellowstone Park because that is far and away the best bike hike bike tour in Yellowstone Park. It's really really hip so. Alright you you guys have a great Yellowstone Park vacation and I will see you in the park. I practice what I preach. I promise you I see you guys every single day. I'll see you in Yellowstone Park. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.